how nail polish makes you fat. Drinking with friends is good for you. Beards are covered in poop. Thinking can make Sugar you as fat. addictive as cocaine. Microwaving Climate change. Plastic. Literally. Sausage. is dangerous. Junk food in pregnancy leaves children fat. Maggots prove effective for kids. So much of what we hear in the news these days is supposedly backed up by science. The question is, how much of that is science? And how much of it is real science? The uh, the outer layer of the of those balls yeah. disturbs me slightly, but the inside looks really chocolatey and quite nice. Uh, well, I, I just don't, from this distance, it looks a bit odd. It's a stormy Tuesday in Singapore. Rain is running down the windows, the skies are a dark, bruised grey, and everyone is feeling in need of a pick-me-up. Fortunately, Judson anticipated this and baked some sweet treats for our lovely colleagues in the high school science office. Quite a few flavours in there. Mm. Um, coconutty. Has it got sesame in it? Uh, um, it's coconut. Ha- ha- yeah, coconut, coconut. Sesame paste. There were some chocolatey power balls, some millionaire shortbread. We have a lot of that in Yes, we call that millionaire shortbread, don't we? And it just looks... I think it's got different textures, you know. The reviews were mixed. This, this, however, looks like it's sliced through a piece of mud. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? It looks like peat stuff. By Catalyst Tripe. I don't find it offensive yeah. or particularly nice. The filling looks a bit less bad for you than I'd expect. Okay, yeah. you think it looks too healthy? A little bit too healthy. A little okay. bit too healthy. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. But what they didn't know is that there was a secret ingredient. Uh, cricket flour. Cricket flour? It's cricket flour. We had cricket flour. Hold on, hold on, Shelby, wait. The power ball's protein element is... Uh, Silkworm. Silk <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very Silk good. Worm. Nice. Excellent. I'm not coming for this anymore, okay? Excellent. To be perfectly honest, that's... That's absolutely fine, you know. That's good. I used to eat crickets in, in Mexico. <laughs> I, can't I think uh, <laughs> that'll be the last time you have all the shows. We we just force fed a insect to a vegetarian. Sure. But the mm. thing is, I was expecting it to be a little weird. Mm. So right. I didn't I didn't think I mm. ground down cricket weird. <laughs> it's not offensive. No. Whether you like them or not, insects are attracting more and more attention as a sustainable protein source. And some people, they're just not fussy. As long as it's food, I'll eat it. This episode, we bring you stories about bugs. Lethal bugs, giant bugs, bugs you might feed to your fish, bugs you might feed to your children. Bugs that can teach us how to lead better lives. And even one particular bug that saved someone's life. I'm Judson. And I'm Tim. And this is Real Science. Some jobs are just totally normal, everyday career paths that you think about or dream about in school. Teacher, doctor, pilot, whatever. Maybe some jobs you see people doing and you can kind of understand how they got there. Go to school, get some qualifications, do some awful jobs for a while until you find something you enjoy or you're good at. 
sometimes though you come across people who do jobs where you just think how did you get into this did you sit down at age 15 and say oh you know what i want to be a commodities trader in salt futures or did you write an essay in school about how great it would be to investigate manufacturing faults in steel cables well one of these people who has a job if you can even call it that which is just impossible to plan a career path for is zat low Here's one of Zat's employees telling us about the nocturnal monsters in Singapore you didn't even know existed. Oh my god, they're absolutely enormous. Yeah. I don't even know what this is. It's the size of a puppy. No, it is the size of a cockroach. That is the size of a cockroach. That is huge. So if you come at 10, 11, 12 in the night, they're just everywhere foraging. But these aren't the only monsters under Zat's protection. There are some which drink the blood of their own children. The workers will bite larvae, their own larvae, and drink the blood from it as a source of energy. So they don't kill their own larvae because then the colony will fall, right? So they just, they injure it not too much that they can't recover from it. The larvae will still grow up to be healthy adults. If you haven't already guessed it, Zat is an ant farmer. He has thousands, different species, different sizes, and they all live in these elaborate glass homes, formicarians, which Zat individually hand-makes. There are enormous ones made of beautiful curved glass, some coated in gold and crystals, some with tiny bonsai-style trees and rock pools. One even has a music box built in. And the ants themselves are even more bizarre and varied. There are the giant cockroach-sized ants, the ones that drink the blood of their children, but also a whole bunch of others with strange and wonderful adaptations. And all of them are native to Singapore. Like these guys. You don't know that they're there, you don't see them, you're not bothering them. But when you see they see you, they will chase you and they will attack. Yeah. <laughs> they will chase you and attack just 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 for the hell of it. And although it's rare, they have killed people before. There are ants that went on a campaign of genocide on Christmas Island in the Indian Ocean. There are ants which can catapult themselves over long distances. They actually bite the ground or a hard object on the ground. It springs them backwards. And they bounce backwards. There are ants that can roll balls of water around. They have hairs around the mouth which stop the water droplets, so water oh, tension from cool. surface tension from breaking. So they can kind of roll it and keep it in the droplet. There are ants that spin silk like spiders. They use that silk, they take a leaf, they fold the leaf in half, they use the silk to paste it shut, and then their nest becomes the inside of it. There's even an ant that, to all intents and purposes, is immortal and can live forever. When she's close to the end of her life cycle, she will lay an egg that is a 100% genetic copy of herself. From a genetic point of view, it's the same ant ruling forever. And one more which I think is super cool, Zat had a species of really small ants, but in the colony some of them grow to be enormous, like a hundred times the size of the little guys. The little ones then ride the big one into battle like some kind of tank. But none of this is really answering our question, how does someone become an ant collector? Well, an unusual job is often preceded by an unusual story. Zat is Chinese-Singaporean, about five foot seven. He's quiet, softly spoken, but he has a look in his eyes like he's constantly alert and constantly watching everything around him. To understand his story a little better, we need to go back to the 1990s. Zach grew up with adoptive parents, and maybe because of this, he's always felt like a misfit, like society didn't accept him. His classmates teased him about his parents and made him feel like an outcast, so he grew up yearning for some kind of brotherhood. This is Zach. So in the past, when the teachers 
my teacher asked me what I want to be, I would tell him I want to be a gangster. Even as a little kid, Zat already felt like an outcast. Being a gangster meant being part of something, something bigger. A group of uh, brothers you know, will be for you no matter what, no matter how bad you are, regardless of your family status. You know. And as you might expect, it wasn't long before he attracted the attention of law enforcement. I got my first police case when I was 13. Housebreaking, uh, rioting, stuff. But by the time he was 15, he was charged in juvenile court and was locked up for three years, but rather than reforming him, getting arrested just made him more calculating about his enterprises. I told myself that I want to be smarter. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be incarcerated again. Yeah. So when he left the juvenile detention centre, he rejoined his old gang, but this time with a slightly different vocation. Despite having no experience of art or design, Zat turned his hand to tattooing. I got into the tattoo industry, but at the same time, I'm still in a gang. I'm a person like, if I want to be something, I want to do something, I will give my 100%. For me, this is where I start to get a little window into Zat's super determined and maybe borderline obsessive personality. He has no idea how to tattoo, he has no experience, he hasn't even got any real interest in art, but he gets really stuck in. When we interviewed him, he was wearing a black long-sleeved jumper. And at this point in the conversation, he starts absent-mindedly touching his forearms. We asked him how he approached becoming a tattoo artist. I sacrificed my own arm. He sacrificed his own arm. He rolls up his sleeves and every single square centimetre of his forearms are covered with tattoos. He paid an experienced artist to tattoo his arms, watched how it was done, and then went home to practice on his friends. Observe, I go back and try my friends. <laughs> so I screwed, screwed up a lot of people. Financially, uh, not strong enough. So uh, we use like Chinese ink to become stuff. So it didn't work well. Like, <laughs> but despite his friend's arms perhaps not looking their best, he stuck with it and ended up owning two tattoo parlors. But that wasn't enough. One of his gang brothers came to him one day and offered him a chance to get involved in illegal online bookmaking. Cosmetic, lottery. But once you become a successful bookmaker, your name starts being associated with lots and lots of money. So people start coming to you for more services than just gambling. Prostitution, drugs, uh, long shocking. Effectively, Zat was diversifying his business portfolio. After four years of this, he was one of the youngest and most successful illegal bookmakers in Singapore. But with this money and success came stress, higher and higher demands, expectations. Zat needed an outlet. And perhaps because he was so close to that world already, there seemed like an easy way to relax. Going to drugs. Yeah. So it really screwed myself. But I don't know. I can't even now I can't even explain what, what I am in the past. It was this, it's just so surreal. The drugs made him irrational, aggressive, and eventually lost him a lot of friends. I found no apparent reason. I call my friend and I will Bigger over small issues like, hey, what? You know, at the point of time, you know, one year ago. And with the drugs came another vice. With drugs, I love to go into casinos. Sometimes, like, whole week I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes I wouldn't sleep for days just to gamble. I really thought you were so much, so many strategies, and it didn't work on casino, take it off. <laughs> 
From being so successful and wealthy with houses and cars all over Singapore, he lost it all in the casinos and entered a terrible downward spiral that almost ended his life. Losing more and more money every day to drugs and gambling, unable to break the cycle, Zat found himself at the edge of a building, ready to jump. I lost everything, so when I decided to commit suicide, And he probably would have done, if it weren't for an unlikely saviour. Just before I plunged off the building, the Queen flew into the mouth. Just in case you didn't hear that, it is worth repeating. Just before Zat jumped off the building, a Queen Ant flew into his mouth. Maybe it was the surprise, maybe it was chance, maybe it was something else, but Zat didn't jump. And as time went on, he couldn't stop thinking about that experience. He'd run out of money and friends, so he had a choice. Uh, at the point of time, I have two choices. One is to go to China or do the end thing. I didn't know anything about it. Just like tattooing and a lot of other things in his life, not knowing anything was absolutely no barrier at all to Zat. But this was even more new than tattooing because he couldn't watch a professional do this. He didn't even know what the ant thing was. He had to come up with it all by himself. In 2015, he started by farming the ants' eggs as food for birds and fish. Now, this step still blows my mind a little bit, but somehow, from somewhere, he started making a decent amount of money selling ant eggs. Uh, every week, I will churn out about 10 testicle eggs. Each egg costs about $2. Now, I don't know exactly how much money he was making, but ant eggs are super small, and 10 test tubes seems like a lot of ant eggs. And $2 seems like a lot of money for one tiny little ant egg. Anyway. It was very difficult. It was nobody really believed in me. Nobody believed in me. Like ants. Who gives a shit over there? Answer? Zat does. And he's now moved away from commercial ant farming into education and community building. Zat has built an ant empire. He has a permanent exhibition, he employs a bunch of staff, and does outreach programs to schools and colleges interested in learning about the life of insects. Well, the moral side ants are my teachers. He employs people like him, people who need a second chance, that don't fit in with society. He calls them his members, not his employees. He's building a genuine social movement out of ants. I think I can help them, because one of my members, right, is they have social anxiety. So, we got him to catch ants, you know, you have to look like a lunatic when you catch ants. You look like a lunatic when you catch ants. Well, to catch ants, you need to shuffle around suspiciously in the undergrowth around HDBs in the middle of the night, the middle of the night. with a net to catch the flying queen ant. I guess if this doesn't cure your social anxiety, nothing will. Zat's incredible journey took him from orphan to career criminal to gambling addict, all the way through to ant farmer and social entrepreneur. For me, this is just a reminder that there's no such thing as a normal career path. Unusual jobs exist because people naturally gravitate towards things that inspire, excite, or fascinate them. According to Zat, that's not quite enough, though. He had a key ingredient right the way through. Sometimes I still keep my hustling spirit there. Since we recorded this interview, Zat and his ants have now moved to a new location in Serangoon, a permanent exhibition. You can find them at singaporeantmuseum.com.
It's no more than a spoonful, a heaping tablespoon my mom would have called it, pale yellow, like the color of fresh ginger, and with the texture of iron filings clumped together on a bar magnet. In two weeks, each grain in this spoonful will be one million times bigger than it is at this moment, consuming more than twice its own body mass every day, in a feat that makes the Nathan's National Hot Dog Eating Contest seem like child's play. Another two weeks beyond that, and the tiny iron filing will change into a completely different individual, one different in form and preferences, and, as luck would have it, one that you are much more likely to see. You've probably noticed them more recently around the house, banging their heads against the windows during the day in a fruitless attempt to escape. At just under two centimeters long with elegant V-shaped antennae, it's big, closer to a wasp than a housefly. You are momentarily hesitant, thinking it might be dangerous. But as you watch, this becomes harder and harder to believe. It just seems so hapless and unintentional. When it stops flying, it never appears to be up to anything nefarious, like eating your food or pooping on your wall or spreading disease. It just kind of sits there, looking exhausted. This, as it turns out, is not far from the truth. It doesn't have mouth parts that are of much use in the wild, certainly not for biting or eating. You were seeing this creature during its brief window of adulthood, a week of fasting, flight, and finding a mate. If you tried to smash it, or to pick it up for that matter, you could do so easily. Maybe you look closely. You see a little transparent window on its abdomen, which gives it a bit of a futuristic robotic spy fly look, which is in fact where the little creature got its name. Hermetia elucens. Elucens from the Latin that means illuminating or shining in. The common name in English is the black soldier fly, though little about it evokes anything remotely militaristic. But all that may be about to change. There is a group of young Singaporeans who want to put the voracious appetite of the black soldier fly to use to chew through the nearly 30 tons of spent grain waste that are produced each week in beer and soybean processing here on the island. The flies eat and grow, converting the grain waste into fertilizer along with fats and proteins in their own bodies that can be used to feed fish, birds, livestock, and perhaps a bit further down the line, us humans as well. Radical though this might seem, it is the globalization of Western preferences that have turned us away from what might be a reasonable source of protein and fat. There are examples of cultures that do eat insects, and even Western history is rife with tales of arthropodal delights. In his first century compendium of natural history, Pliny the Elder waxes on the delights of beetle larvae, hand-raised for Rome's upper-class citizens. The Romans were not the first to the beetle bowl either. Some 300 years before old Pliny, Aristotle, that bastion of philosophy and knowledge, included culinary notes on cicada harvest in his treatise on animals, saying, 
The larvae of the cicada on attaining full size in the ground becomes a nymph. Then it tastes best before the husk is broken. At first, the males are better to eat, but after copulation, the females, which are then full of white eggs. But why should we eat insects at all? Well, the animals we currently raise for food account for roughly 20% of all greenhouse gas emissions. In a world where we devote nearly a third of our arable land and a quarter of our fresh water to livestock, perhaps it is reasonable to consider the alternatives, as strange as they may sound. Consider the lobster. Like our soldier fly, it has six legs and a hard outer shell. Like our soldier fly, it is the consummate upcycler feeding on waste that falls to the ocean floor. Of course, we now think of the lobster as an expensive delicacy worthy only of special occasions, but my great-grandmother would have been more inclined to use it as cat food than dinner. Although lobster has been fished for hundreds of years in the northeast of the U.S., it wasn't until the middle of the 20th century that it began to be normalized into the food we think of today. For that, it was truly the protein source for pets and prisoners. My mom grew up with lobster as a delicacy. Will her grandchildren know black soldier fly larvae as something more than food for fish and birds? started as being a selection of stories about insects that grew out of our last piece on trash and waste and sustainability. But really, isn't the message more about being open to new paths, however unusual it might seem? Yeah, I mean, look at Zat. He embraced change and completely turned his life around, going from gangster to teaching kids and offering ex-convicts a second chance. The folks at Singapore-based Insecta, where they farmed the black soldier fly, they took what you or I would consider a pest and now have the capability to convert it into semiconductors, pharmaceuticals, food packaging, animal feed, I mean, even cosmetics. Yeah, and in both of these cases, one person choosing a different path created vast ripples which went on to affect hundreds of people and inspire even more change. So whether it's by altering your habits or feeding some insects to your colleagues, we're all capable of making a big impact in the world. It just might come from somewhere unexpected. Big thanks to Kaining Chua at Insecta, to Zatlo, to all of the science faculty here at UWCSEA Dover campus for serving as our guinea pigs to co-producer Amy Woolof for all of her hard work on the episode, and to Nate DeMeo, who makes a podcast called The Memory Palace that served as inspiration for our Insecta piece. Music thanks this week as well to Mayu and the South London Hi-Fi. As always, a big thanks to Ellie Olchin for her podcast leadership. You know, she had a weird reaction when I gave her a birthday card the other day. I don't find it offensive yeah. or particularly nice. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Mm-hmm.